I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide. Hello again, we have returned as the World Cup preparations are ramped up inside and outside Bell Tunnel Towers. I'm Gareth Hanna and with me are Jonathan Bradley. Hi Gareth. And Adam McCandrick. Hello. We're here with a quick look ahead to Ireland's second World Cup warm-up fixture at Twickenham. Joe Schmidt's side will lock horns with Eddie Jones' England. So just what can we expect? We'll discuss that and the latest international action. But up first, bad news. Marcel Coetzee is out for 12 weeks, that rules him out of the World Cup and also Ulster's first six Pro 14 fixtures. We're hoping that he will be back just in time for the European fixtures. But for Marcel, first of all, on a personal point of view, gotten in the, in the lead up to the World Cup, he might not have been going anyway, but he's now definitely not going. Yeah, if you think back four years ago, he had a knee injury in the build-up to the World Cup and then missed that tournament as well. So he's now missed two World Cups, essentially through injury, as well as two years of his career almost fully when joining Ulster. So it's just it's horrible, horrible luck for him. Obviously for Ulster, it's a complete worst-case scenario because you would have wanted... I think the coaches would have wanted Marcel to go to the World Cup. Yeah. Obviously, just from a, a personal point of view, but now not only is he not going to the World Cup, but you don't have him either. <laughs> so it really couldn't have been any worse. Especially but, given like it's not the first time by any means that Marcel has had injury worries. Just when he came to Ulster, things were a bit of a nightmare. He's finally getting back on track, and now this. Yeah, I find there's a certain irony about it in that he spoke about how his World Cup dream kept him going while he was injured. Now he's going to miss the World Cup because he's injured. It's just horrible luck, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Unfortunately, you know he's he's done so much work to battle back from injuries. Ulster stood by him every step of the way. If he didn't have that backing, you know who knows what might have happened to him. He probably would have had to go back to South Africa and try and rebuild his career there. But you know he he did all the hard work, all the hard grafting in the gym. He put in countless hours, he worked his way back into the Springbok squad fully on merit, and now, you know, he, he'll he never know whether he was going to go to the World Cup or not, because it's been taken away from him because of the injury, and I think that's probably going to hurt him most of all, because I reckon he probably felt like he had a good chance after the season he's had, after, you know, coming into camp and working his butt off mm-hmm. and you know it's been taken away from him at least if he misses the squad you know and he said you know you're just not what we're looking for but stay on standby we might need you that that's different but this will hurt because yeah. he probably felt like he could have gone he's 28 now is this world cup dream over or he could still go in four years i think he could still go in four years obviously I think in the in this game you never project no. too far ahead. Like even look at the players that Ireland have lost through the World Cup cycle that they would have thought that they would have had. You know the likes of Jimmy Heaslip, mm-hmm. um, Jared Payne, I suppose. Um, you know, so injury can strike anyone. Rory Best went to, to the last World Cup as a thirty-two-year-old and is going to this one. You know, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. he could have another two World Cups yeah, left in him. Might have another two. He could be in. Wherever it'll be, is it Argentina, twenty twenty seven? Um. So yeah, 
Well, no, we'll not write him off exactly what Adam said. It's horrendous, horrendous injury luck for him, having been up doing media during the week talking about how this moment had really spurred him on through the darker days of that injury. And then it was a strange one as well because it's obviously an ankle injury, but he actually went off in the game for an HIA after the ankle injury. So he played right. on for a number of minutes, okay. had another big carry where he ended up taking a shoulder to the head or well, head to the shoulder, I suppose, going off for the HIA, feeling the HIA, but he's played on with an ankle that required surgery. You know What actually happened? Yeah, it was a tackle, so they were very close to the Argentinian line, and it was just a sort of low tackle. This is from what I remember. A low tackle, and then you could see him hobbling away from it, um, back in, and then he made another carry. But then the ball went up to the other end of the field, and that was when he made the big carry again that produced the field HIA. So the, it was two completely separate incidents. This was, you know, he played on through the ankle injury, and it was the HIA that saw him go off. So it's one of those ones where it was probably, you know, heat of the moment, adrenaline coursing through your body. You don't realize how much damage you've actually done to it, and you you can play on for a bit. You know, if a play hadn't been blown up, he and he went off for the HIA, probably would have all suddenly hit him, and he was he would have felt the pain, but. Yeah, just horrible luck. You can't feel any worse for him. Like it's horrible. Because we just hope that he uh, gets back in those um, twelve weeks and can uh, be back in time for for Ulster's European games. Mm-hmm. So looking ahead to next weekend, we'll have a, a a chat later on about what else happened in the rugby weekend. It was a big day for you on Saturday. Watching all five games. Lots of games. A real Lots trooper. Of games. A real trooper. Um, for now though. Looking ahead to this weekend, Ireland, of course, go to England on Saturday for, what is it, half two kickoff? Yeah. Uh, uh, three o'clock. Three, three o'clock. o'clock. Yeah, it's all straight. It's half two. I checked them both at the same time earlier, and I can't remember which one's which. Uh, so, what what can we expect this weekend in terms of lineup? Is this, first of all, make or break for Will Addison? Does he have to play, or else it's, it's game over? Probably... <sighs> It's always hard to say with Joe Schmidt because you would have said he had to play against Italy in order to stay in the World Cup squad. And I know he was he was down to play in the game and then got injured so he couldn't play. But he's still in the squad even though he didn't play. So you just never know with Joe Schmidt. But you would say he, he probably needs to at least play a part in this game to start showing Joe that he's got what he needs to go to the World Cup and... Probably not make or break at this point because I would say you're likely not to see any more cuts from this squad until you get to Schmidt naming his final 31 that are going to Japan. But yeah, I'd say he probably needs to show something in order to sort of work his way into that final squad reckoning because we've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks, but you're kind of you know putting the final building blocks in place in terms of who is going who isn't going and it's just about working out where he fits in is it as a center or is it as a back three player and then how many more centers are going how many more back three players are going so uh, yeah you, you would imagine he has to do something this week to kind of catch the eye or at least prove that he can play at this level having been out for so long do you expect him to begin any match It'll be an interesting selection, I think, because if you're looking at it, you'd probably want to have a pretty 
near enough full strength team out or close mm-hmm. to it this week probably play more of those fringe players in the first Wales game the away Wales game and then have a big hit out the second Wales game the home one there's been talk that you know there's been conversations between Warren Gatland and Joe Schmidt about what way the coaches are going to approach those back to back games but there hasn't been any mention of whether um, there's been conversations with Eddie Jones and if you watch just how physical that England-Wales game was, well, the two England-Wales games, really, I'd say it would be huge concern on Joe Schmidt's part of just getting through this without yeah. injuries. Because this is obviously the danger when you're playing your frontliners. You need to get the minutes. But the physicality of those two England-Wales games, I would say, would have made very uneasy viewing for Absolutely. somebody whose main priority through this window is to not get any more injuries. So if you're a coach, do you just go out there and keep your, your key names out of it? it? It's walking a very fine line. I mean, you can't keep them wrapped in cotton wool because guys need minutes. You, know, you can't say Johnny Sexton's so important that we'll just keep him off the field until Japan mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll unleash him there. You can't do that because he still needs game time. Otherwise, he won't have played a game since the end of May. You can't pitch him into a World Cup five months later, having or four months later, having not played any rugby since. So, at some point, you've got to expose these guys. You can't you can't keep them hiding the whole time. But at the same time, yeah, how much do you expose them before you're putting them too much at risk of getting injured? So. You'll see everybody at some point. We don't know, as Johnny said, we don't know how he's going to break down his squads over the next three weeks. Um, And this week will be a good indicator of how he might approach the first Wales game. Uh, I think the main thing, yeah, 100% is avoid injuries. But at the same time, you got to get guys up and firing. Um, So for, for this week, I would imagine it'll probably be... Put out as many guys as you think you can get away with, um, and then maybe re- regroup and reassess for Wales the following week. What does that mean for the the Ulster guys this weekend? Then who is? Is there anybody definitely not in contention? I don't think so. Um, you know, he's only got yeah. what 40, 40 players. Yeah, twenty three of them are going to play. You know. And basically, you can pick them out of a hat at this stage. Yeah, is what so you're saying. Thirty-nine, if you go Carberry. Yeah. Um. I think Best might be in that group that gets minutes this week and doesn't get minutes the week after, but then does get a game for the what? Well, I suppose be his farewell to Irish rugby on home soil. Unless he plays for Banbridge after his retirement. Unless he plays for Banbridge, yeah. Um, well, Simon's Is there any chance he's going to play for Banbridge? I don't think so. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about it last week, and they were like, no, I, I think he definitely is. And he's like, mm, I, I don't know. Like, could, no, you, could you imagine being the opposing hooker that day, like <laughs> pitching up at Rifle Park, reading the team sheet, and suddenly discovering Rory Best's playing against you? <laughs> like a month after he wins the World Cup, potentially. Imagine. Yeah, like this isn't like Paul Marshall... Playing for Estonians or like Roger Wilson for Estonians, and this is somebody that's what thirty seven now. So, you know, he's probably played through that period where most players would consider playing a bit of club rugby. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He he'd now be 
an old club rugby player, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm awaiting Banbridge. He's, he's probably release. not good enough to play for Banbridge anymore. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that maybe he has other things to do with his weekends. Fireman. Uh, he probably just stick to five aside. Maybe, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, so, yeah, so we don't really know, basically, is what we're saying ahead of this weekend. Well, the team's announced... On Thursday. On Thursday. They've we'll been, find out then. You know, they've been in Portugal for a week, so it's yeah. all been very sort of quiet Yeah. on that front. I think they're doing media for the first time tomorrow, possibly. So no more then, potentially. It's a very probably cushy not. lifestyle, you know, go it's off to Portugal know. before the World Cup, get to go to a World Cup in Japan, you know, so it's not bad. Well, I'd say when you have a couple of... Uh, Burly Simones running at you in the that's true. thirty nah. degree heat of uh, Yokohama. Yeah. You get to go, and uh, you don't have any burly Simones running at you. Well, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully <yeah. laughs> well, that's 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 the really cushy lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, did you see the Hawaiian prop that's playing for yeah. Leinster now? Yeah, crazy. Where'd that happen? Or how'd that how'd that happen? I know Leinster. Leinster good for honor. I think unexpected players. Is he good? Between him and Vak Abdelaza, they could have the least Irish-Irish qualified sounding front row in the world. That'll be amazing. I'm all up for that. Yeah, it depends who, who played with Rodney IU over the years. Will Strever who Rodney IU and Vian Herbst when they were Irish qualified? Nah, they were both playing on the same side. Uh, but Rod, like Rodney switched at one point, but he didn't actually play, did he? No. It was, it was a mooted switch. I don't think he ever lined out a loose head. Maybe in a friendly. And then I don't think... He maybe didn't play for another three months after that. Speaking of people switching positions, uh, unforeseen question from Harry and Isla's daddy. He has asked questions in the past. He wants to know, how realistic is it that Ian Henderson plays at six for Ireland or Ulster in uh, big European fixtures this season? When was the last time he played six? The last time he played six... Although you gave a little confused look for a minute as if you hadn't looked it up specifically for this. But go on, continue. The last time he played six for Ireland was in South Africa, but that was the only time that he's played six for Ireland in this World Cup cycle. And as we all know, with the likes of Jared Payne, where they want you to play for Ireland is primarily where you're going to play for your province. Mm-hmm. He no. didn't play didn't play six at all for Ulster last year. Two seasons ago, the last time that he played six for Ulster. Three seasons ago, the last time that he played six more than he played at Locke. So, short answer would be no. Good. I like that. <laughs> Just knock him out of, out of the park. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, it might happen. Um, well, unless you know, there's like some sort of unforeseen... Marcel's had injured for a while, you know. That's true. That's he has before the Marcel news too. He That's, just knew. Yeah, he's... Well, see, the thing He's is... playing checkers, the rest of us are playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Kieran Treadwell, haven't been impressing for Ulster. You know, Henderson to six does become a bit more viable, but then do you want to break up that back row, which was so good last year, of Jordy Murphy, Nick Timoney, and Sean Reedy? Like, I, th- I thought in terms of that back row, and then obviously I could see it in, in the mix as well, but... Um, Whenever those three were on the pitch, I thought they were very solid back three or back row. So I'm not sure why you want to break that up. It is an option, but it's not it's not one that has been used whenever you could have potentially used it. So I always I, feel like Locke's the best place to have your captain. Well, that's, that is true. Just whenever you think about it historically, you know, Locke's they give good captain. 
is it a way to uh, I can't like now what do you call Sam Carter survival the way to accommodate him in in the last year's team I'd say in an, okay. ide- in an ideal world you play Sam Carter and Ian Anderson yeah. and Naz Adam points out to uh, have Handy in the back row would mean that you drop one of those back rowers so out. who was last year's first choice lock with Treadwell, Treadwell whenever mm. Treadwell for the sort of second half of the season then you've got Alan O'Connor coming in as well played a good number of games yeah yeah, there's no real need Henderson's for Henderson's only going to play like about 10 games for Ulster. That's true, anyway, yeah. So. And he's not going to break into the back row in Ireland either. Like He'd have to oust Peter O'Mahony, CJ Stander, uh, Jack Tag Coburn. Tag if he goes. Tag Burn if he goes. We'd all play six ahead of him. Yeah, so... If he does play six at the World Cup, Harry and I, his daddy, is going to be like, a new journalist yeah. on the podcast. You're sagged. I've never, never once claimed that... Uh, <laughs> The listener questions weren't better informed than me. <laughs> um, what else do people want to know? Well, there interestingly, there are big concerns this week from several people on the questions, and presumably several more who didn't ask questions about Johnny Sexton. Basically, twenty eighteen World Player of the Year, Johnny Sexton is useless. <laughs> is the, like, people haven't actually actually said that. That's I'm stretching what people are saying. But what people are saying, Big Jim put it possibly better than anybody else. So we'll use his. Since Sexton has had a poor season by his standards, if that form continues, are we also runs for the Rugby World Cup? If he's fit, Joe will pick him regardless of form. I mean, Sexton having a bad year is the equivalent of Bowden Barrett having a good year. It's still a great year. It's just not quite at the same standard as everybody else. Do you mean like Bowden Barrett being good rather than great? I was over exaggerating. Are you just are you just like having a go at Bowden Barrett? No, I was I was just over exaggerating to make a point. Okay. You, know, you, you say he Fair. has a, you say he had a bad year by his standards. Like a bad year by Johnny Sexton's standards is still great. His Johnny Sexton having a good year by his standards is world class. So on form, he he should still be starting for Ireland on regardless form, he, of uh, reputation. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He should still be. Carberry's injured, so like. I but like. I think so. he's not <laughs> injured forever. I think Sexton, out of form, is still a better fly half than any other any of the other fly halves that Ireland have. The and, point. Sorry. No, well, I, I was just going to say, and he he can always play himself into form. I know Ireland tried to do that and it didn't really work, but you know, at a, at a World Cup, I just cannot fathom that you would not start Sexton. And you just know that if it then still didn't go right, whenever you didn't start Sexton, the first yeah, thing people uh, would say is, why did you not start yeah. Sexton? Well, what actually. happened in the Lions tour when Sexton didn't play? All right, well, don't bring logic into this conversation. No, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Se- Sexton wasn't the first choice 10 for the Lions tour when it started, but then he was. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Whenever things started going right for the Lions, it's, it's exactly the point that you make, you know, it was when Sexton came back in. But the point that Jim makes is entirely correct. Because Ireland won't win the World Cup with Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray playing the way they did in the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. And they will both still play because we've seen that mm-hmm. in successive visits to the Millennium Stadium or the Principality Stadium. Or the Millennium Stadium and the Principality Stadium. <laughs> given that we're talking about a two-year gap. For anybody can, uh, confused, this is the same stadium he's talking about. <laughs> you know that big one in the centre of Cardiff? That one. In successive Irish visits to Cardiff... We have seen that Joe Schmidt will persist with 
an off-colour Conor Murray and an off-colour Johnny Sexton until the game is long gone. <laughs> yeah. That will apply in the World Cup as well. So the point that Jim makes is 100% correct. I was saying the same thing to a friend of mine mm-hmm. over the weekend. Ireland will be as good as Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray mm-hmm. are at the World Cup and there's no point being like at this point of the World Cup cycle in the same way that there's no point in this point of time in the World Cup cycle talking about Rory Best place in the team. So much has been invested in these guys and they have such track records and let's not forget that they're such good players. We're not going to go into a World Cup and then all of a sudden be like Jack Cardi's our 10, Sean Cronin's our <laughs> yeah, hooker, yeah. you know. Yeah, this, the this is four years the plan goes out the window yeah. on this, this is games. not the time for but tinkering with that. the 23. This is the time for, you know, mm-hmm. making sure everybody's up to match yeah. speed. You know, if if in a game, Marion Sexton continue to have shockers, yeah, haul them off and bring the guys on the bench on. It's not going to happen, though. It's never happened. Like, everyone, myself included, agrees with you that it should, but it's not going to. Yeah. Like, we have a years of years of evidence that it's not going to happen. Like, there are fewer less rewarding places in test rugby to be than Ireland's back up to Murray or Sexton because you're just not getting minutes. That's not going to change now of all times. So. Maybe it's a good thing John Cooney isn't going to the World Cup. He's safe from the ignominy of <laughs> being the one behind well, uh, Conor Murray. Being the third nine is traditionally not a great place to be at a World Cup for anybody, let alone for Ireland. You know, John Kinney went on that Australia tour and I think only just got his cap at the very end of it, I think. No, it Japan tour. Yeah. Ah, uh, but he would have been the backup nine, or third choice nine, and the third choice ten. Uh, yeah, he would have got reps in training. <laughs> uh, Still get to go to the World Cup, though. Like, I'd go. If they wanted me to go the third choice nine, I'd go. No bother. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's be honest, nobody wants you to be the 33rd man. You would have been one of those guys in 2007 that uh, Eddie O'Sullivan just refused to pick. I'm just saying, you you would have been too sorry for this. Happily being one of those six that just never saw the field. Conor Murray could have broken both legs and uh, Kieran Marmion could break both arms and they still wouldn't pick you at nine. No, no, because those boys would still be better than me with those conditions. I think think we joke, but you know, Murray was injured in that well, yeah, Wales game <laughs> and Joe Schmidt still wouldn't bring him off until yeah. the game was completely, completely gone. There's another question about sex that asks, does he have a full 80 minutes in him anymore? Yeah. Full top level 80 minutes, yeah. no concerns over I think so. Now, the question is, does he or how many of the squad have seven, 80 minutes in seven weeks in them? Could be mm-hmm. a different matter because that's... That's highly unusual. Even look at the Six Nations with the break weeks incorporated. You still rotate people out when you go to Italy. I would think it's personally it's too late for us to see Sexton and Carberry in the same team. I think. So I think what you're going to see is Sexton, Sexton, Carberry, Carberry, and then if you are to win it. Do you have to go Sexton, Sexton, Sexton three successive weeks? Maybe off the back of two weeks of rest, you could do that. But it's a unique challenge, not just for Sexton, yeah. for anyone to play that many tests in a row because you just wouldn't get it. That's why the players, you know, 
after November, get the next two weeks off, and that's yeah. playing three weeks in a row. Sometimes not even, because normally the middle test sees a lot of players rested. It's very, it's highly unusual that somebody starts all three November tests. Well, when when is the last time Johnny Sexton started four games in a row? Like, for Leinster, for Ireland, for anybody? You know, as, as in, sorry, four, four consecutive games in consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. You're probably having to go back a few years for that. Yes, like I, I, I can't think the last time that he... We shouldn't ask hypothetical questions that we haven't researched the answers to. <laughs> More on that next week, if we remember, which we probably won't. But it's a good, it, it is a good point going into the World Cup. You know, you can look back at probably most other fly halves that will start for their nations, and you can pinpoint, okay, well, yeah, there's four weeks in a row that he played, mm-hmm. there's four weeks in a row that he played, so they can handle the rigours of that. Sexton... Potentially not so much. Well, Sexton hadn't played going into the Six Nations, whereas Farrell played a lot going into the Six yeah. Nations. But you, we do run the risk of making too much of one Six Nations. He's 34. Sexton is 34. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sexton I didn't notice that. Like, like, Sexton's I think I did sneaky. know it, I just forgot. Like, he doesn't look it. He's, he's aged well, I, I think. He's aged very well, if you look at some of the pictures from when he first came through. <laughs> um, Sexton's probably one of those players that's sneaky old. Because he was behind O'Gar. Ah, mm, uh, yeah, that's true. So you know, yeah. Sexton's front line test career, if you like, only really yeah, he started really late. Like the debate Same was two thousand and eleven, so that was only, you know, that was eight years ago. Mm. Yeah. Whereas well, now, if you have a major debut by twenty six, you're seen as a has been, and there's no like reason for it, you know. Yeah. Not that he hadn't debuted, but you know what I mean. Anyway. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Dono asks, uh, well, he says he's been listening to Brian O'Driscoll and Ronan O'Gara talking during the week about the importance of how well people train. Is it possible that John Cooney, caught from the Ireland squad last week, who I'm sure you all know, uh, hasn't been, is it possible that Cooney hasn't been at the level needed in training and that's why he's gone? Well, it's subjective, but it's not to do with anything that's happened on the pitch mm-hmm. for Ireland because probably it's too small a sample size. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's and, it's, and it's not for anything to do with what he's done with Ulster because he's been Brilliant. excellent for Ulster. Mm. There's like there's been shout about his defensive work when playing scrum half. That's not something that I've noticed. To be perfectly honest, I've never noticed him stand out for negative reasons defensively. But the, you know that was one of the lines doing the rounds. It's not something, as I say, that I've seen, but. There is. We talked an awful lot about how hard it is to earn Joe Schmidt's trust. The, the interesting thing about the conversation about training is training is one of the reasons why I would have thought it made much more sense for Cooney to go because he yeah. can train in multiple positions so you don't end up with like the defence coach or the video analyst or the <laughs> media officer running lines in training. Catching line-outs. Like, like at past World Cups. It's... It could just be another Darren Cave scenario of the face doesn't fit, similar to what Johnny's saying. You know, not Cave went to that World Cup. <laughs> well, that's true. Not not in a case of Joe doesn't like him or anything. It's just he has his trust in uh, Kieran Marmion yeah. and Luke McGrath, and that's unfortunate. But it it happens. You know, coaches like certain players because they offer a particular thing. And other really good players aren't looked at because they don't offer that particular thing. And it could just be a case of 
Cooney doesn't offer something that Schmidt wants mm-hmm. that the other two do, and that that's just unfortunate. Plenty of great players will not go to certain World Cups for exactly the same reason, but a new coach will come in, they'll go to the next World Cup yeah. or something like that. It's I, I wouldn't say that Cooney's done anything wrong, and certainly from what I've heard, he hasn't done anything wrong. It's it's just a case of he's in a very tough position for Ireland. I'd be very surprised if somebody that puts so much emphasis on daily goals trained badly. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like, somebody who wakes up and is like, this is what I want to achieve with the day, and then judges whether he's done it at the end of the day. Those characteristics and being a bad trainer yeah. wouldn't necessarily go together. That's just, yeah. you know, that's just hypothesizing. But um, It makes sense. Sir. You're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with We Miss Victoria Square Belfast and Stockist Nationwide. As regards the other games on over the weekend, watch them all, back to back, Jonathan, what a day, what a day to be alive. What else did you see? New Zealand back on top? Yeah, it was interesting because I think Australia, like we shouldn't overlook the fact that Australia have largely been muck, aside from the week before. Yeah. But what Australia do is play such, they play a brand of rugby that when it comes off, it's very difficult to stop. But it's so error-strewn and requires basically everything to work for it to be in any way effective. And we saw the negative side of that on Saturday where it just, you know, they started okay, they missed a couple penalties, then they're playing such high-risk, high-reward rugby that you're in a situation where either they're going to score or Hodge drops the pass and the All Blacks score. And from that, you know, that's one of the real turning points in the game. Also the fact that their scrum got absolutely milled um, we talked about the change in props the possibility of the change in props obviously that happened and big turnaround in the set piece um, not wholly sold on this meeting New Zealand are back in the same way I wasn't wholly sold on the week before meeting they, they were out of the running <laughs> I still think if I was a betting man and had a bit of fiver on it I still think they're the best bet because they're always there or thereabouts. But I still don't think that they're the team that they were prior to the Lions to certainly not the team in the 2015 World Cup. But they're still very good. Mm. Just jump on the hype train, Johnny. Come on, join us on the hype train. But join, join, <laughs> join the hype train behind who, you know? No, I, I completely agree. It's the well, most open World Cup. That... One of the biggest things for me about the All Blacks is... They have a lot of names in that squad that a lot of rugby people would look at and go, who? Yeah. Nolly. Or for, indeed why. For, for, some of, for some people who are rugby fanatics, like two-thirds of the people in this room, you know, we know... <laughs> I'm including you and that, Gareth. <laughs> um, well, it wasn't clear which one of us it wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, we know the likes of... George Bridge, who scored at the weekend, I think is a really exciting young winger. He was class. But, you know, to your average rugby goer, might not actually know who he is because he's not a big name yet. Sevu Reese, 
a lot of Irish people would know because uh, he was supposed to come to Connacht and then didn't. But he's been exceptional for the Crusaders this year and scores his first try for the All Black first try for the All Blacks yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Um, so I I think that's a that's a big thing though, you know, because in previous years New Zealand go to a World Cup, you just look at that squad and you go, well, all those guys are world class. We know all those guys, but this year there's going to be at least two or three guys who are going to go in that All Black squad who are going to think, who, why. You know, uh, I don't know who this is, but they're still class players. But you just don't know them as well as in other years. So, um, yeah, they, like they haven't got in the years since, and they maintained from twenty fifteen. They lost, you know, six of their most capped players ever, but they maintained standard for a while. But what they haven't done is they haven't replicated that steady selection, like. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Sonny Bill and he was good at the weekend but he hadn't been good beforehand so you know is that enough for him to now say that he's back as the 12 do they have a settled centre partnership I still don't think they do the back row balance was so much better on Saturday than it was the previous Saturday but it was the same three guys Mm -hmm. you know is that what they're going to go with the two two open sides with Artie Survey at six, I don't know. I'm still not convinced that Bowden Barrett's not going to be their 10. I know that if he is their 10, then you don't know who's going to be the goal kicker in the high pressure moments. But I'm still not convinced that they're settled, just quite so settled on that. And they've only got mm-hmm. one game. Nice. So, yeah. Talking myself out of this <laughs> about my imaginary five. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I took away from the game. Um, is on the Australia side, and that's that Christian Leilafano started ten again. You know, I don't. Is Bernard fully injured? The only reason because he's he's not like he hasn't played any of the rugby championship games yet. The only reason he popped into my head was because I was thinking about that game against England at the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. As I remember, when he kicked all the points and they didn't have any problems with the goal kicking, because traditionally, in the last five years, they've not been a great goal kicking side. But Bernard Foley at the last World Cup wasn't an issue. But that was why he popped into my head. I was like, where's he been? Yeah, but you're right. It's strange. Yeah, but the the, the fact that Lele Fano keeps getting reps at 10, he keeps starting at 10, certainly suggests that he could actually not only go to the World Cup, yeah. he could be Australia's starting 10 at the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Also, which brought is us incredible. the narrative of them getting nilled. Because had he really wanted to, he could have knocked over a couple of those penalties. Oh, but yeah. Like, nah, it, it's a better story. But That's see, this, this is... <laughs> This is a debate that I always have. To, you know, you always say a team got nilled, but towards the end of a game, they'll start kicking to the corner whenever they could have taken kickable penalties. Does that still count as, you know, you've properly nilled them? Or do you look back and go, oh, well, they could have kicked that penalty, so you haven't really nilled them? No, I just meant like the one in front of the post that he just missed for some reason. Yeah, don't do. Absolutely bad. Hit the hit the uh, post for the second week in a row as well. He was he's trying to at this yeah. stage. Yeah, absolutely. It's to. Rodney Parade all over again. <laughs> That's right. South Africa, another win for them, although albeit only by six points over Argentina. Was there any big takeaway from that one? Well, it was their second string. Um, wasn't particularly great. Can S- we can S- we S- talk S- about S- that finish S- from Kosi? S- would be the one. He's like, yeah, I'm. I've done my chances no harm here with the two tries that he scored. It's 
timely because there's still doubts over whether Deontay, who let's not forget was the I think the breakthrough player of the year in 2018. There's injury doubts around him, but now we've seen um, Inkosi really lay down a marker in that game. Other than that, not really. Like Argentina were better, but they've been terrible. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't a vast enough improvement for me against the second string Springbok side. It was interesting. Argentina have confirmed their squad today. There's no Facundo Isa. There's no Santiago Cordero, no Martin Landajo. You know, it's quite an inexperienced squad um, in terms of who they're taking. And it's just interesting that none of those three played at the weekend in a team that you really thought should have probably beaten what the Springboks put out there. And yet they've decided that none of those three are still good enough to go. So... There's not a huge lot to take away from that game, as Johnny says. It was a rather forgettable game for me, apart from that outrageous and cosy finish. But I just think it's interesting. And it's another team who have confirmed their squad very early. You know, I don't understand why you're confirming your squad this far in advance. And I know we've had discussions like how Warren Gatland, even though he hasn't confirmed his squad, Warren Gatland likes to... You know, say here's what I've got. You work out how to defeat it. You know, why are you, why are you putting your squad out there so early whenever you've got games still to come? Sorry, Seiko Lucy being back. I know we flagged that he was back in the team last week, but getting through a good fifty minutes is obviously probably the big development from a South African perspective. The other big game this weekend, we nearly forgot about it. Uh, Peter Nelson could be playing against Leinster. Canada's warm up game against the province. That, uh, isn't it Saturday? This Saturday, isn't it? We also, forgot, we also forgot about Italy's annihilation of Russia. 85-15. Love to see it. <laughs> this was interesting for a number of reasons. <laughs> because there's this idea, probably due to geography, that Russia are going to be like Georgia. You know, They're going to be a big scrummage inside that are going to be physical and tough to beat. But what Russia actually do is just try and score lots and lots of points. And it was going to be interesting to see, but they conceded a lot of points as well. And it was going to be interesting to see how this translated to them playing against the Tier 1 team. Because they hadn't played against the Tier 1 team for years and years and years. And we find out it, it wasn't good. It does not work. So what happened was they conceded far more points than they normally do. Bearing in mind that they're poor defensively at the best of times against the likes of you know Germany and Belgium without scoring a hell of a lot of points, shipping nine tries. You know, they'll be interesting. Interesting to watch. <laughs> I was surprised at how strong Italy went. Like, Italy's squad was stronger than the one they put out against Ireland. So I don't know if Conor O'Shea went with, you know, a stronger squad to try and build some momentum or confidence or something within the squad. But I was amazed that he put out so many guys, especially against a team who are as physical as Russia try to be. Especially when their next game is France, yeah. and then they've got England, you know. Yeah. Ulster then, Ulster is are playing this weekend, first game of the season, away at Scarlet's 2.30 on Saturday. The South Wales Ulster Rugby Sporters Club would like you all to attend. I will not be, I assume 
you'll not be in it. But if you want to go, go. Who might people see if they were to fly to Wales? Aaron the, South, Sexton. Aaron Sexton. the South Wales Supporters Club. Yeah, you definitely see them. Um, Aaron Sexton will play. Is Aaron Sexton that bag in sevens camp? Uh, uh, he might be. It's Aaron Sexton might not play. Well, it's, it's one of those ones where because it's not a senior competition, because well, it's kind of sort of half and half, they might say, look, go and play a few games in this and then go back and play sevens afterwards, but don't know. It'll be interesting to see the selection for the A side because you've only got two friendlies not in the same slots as they have been in previous years, so you've got a break week between the last friendly and the start of the Pro 14. So you could theoretically go quite strong in this competition because it's just getting people minutes, essentially pre-season minutes. Or you could do what Kieran Campbell hinted at maybe doing whenever Ulster had their academy day and essentially having an almost under-23 competition. So, like, the guts of this competition are going to run before the Pro 14 season starts, which is different and will obviously influence selection. You could see a few of the guys who maybe picked up injuries towards the end of last season, given a bit of time just to bring them back in, get a bit of of game time under their belts before the season begins. You know, guys like Kyle McCall... um, Angus Curtis, potentially, yeah. who's been out for a long time. So guys who maybe aren't your front-line guys, because I would imagine Craig Gilroy probably won't play, even though he's been out for a long time. So that's but, some kind of spirit of the competition rule that they brought in because of Scott van der Merwe. <laughs> that's really not the player that they should have brought that in for. <laughs> no, well, was it not he was meant to be playing and then wasn't allowed to play? Am I misremembering that? I don't think so. I know you're right, but there was, like a, there was an actual reason for that oh, I think yeah I think they made it that you couldn't play imports oh yeah yeah that's right it had to be a development competition um, but yeah so you, I would imagine you might see some of the guys who are working their way back from injury because given it's you know it's going to be a game against another sort of watered down side or a sort of a development side from a, a region or another province you can put a few guys in there and say, look, here's your first hit out in a competition that at the end of the day really doesn't matter all that much. Uh, just use it as a way to ease yourself back in and then we'll take a look at you during pre-season. Yeah. That's more or less us for, for this weekend, isn't it? There's no other business to attend to. We didn't mention Scotland getting absolutely hammered by France. Go for it. You discuss it. Scotland got absolutely hammered by France. I was more interested by your comment on Twitter by Maxime Maydard's sideburns. His sideburns are taking over his face. Like, he's always had big sideburns, but the amount of, like, the amount of effort that he must go to to shave this bit, but leave the sideburns. He's pointing under his chin. For, <laughs> for those that aren't in the room. Um, like, if he wants to go beard, I understand that. But he's essentially got a beard, but just shaved to the part under his chin. They, they are majestic sideburns. I'm a big fan. I'm the, a big fan of Maxim Dart, I must say. But but this this is insane. <laughs> also, like, are France good again? Are we willing to believe? No, I don't think so because we've had for too long. They've toyed with our emotions like this. So I'm not going to get on board. But it is amazing what playing your best nine and ten together at the same time in the right positions it can do but you know rightly they're just going to put together like a great world cup out of nowhere like maybe not this year but 
every so uh, every sort of third fourth world cup they just put together an unbelievable run out of absolutely nowhere reach the final and then you know from there you really don't know what they're going to do but yeah yeah but scotland, this could scotland be the year were, uh, scotland were terrible they were for anyone last week everyone was very worried last week about ireland's world cup what's what i said it's gotten loud see this is the thing so they didn't have like a full strength side out but they had an awful lot of players who would be you know on the bubble mm-hmm. trying to stake their claim and if I was Gregor Townsend, I think I would have had more questions and answers after it. It'll be interesting to see, I suppose, this week, one, what sort of side is out, and two, if they're any better. But this idea that Scotland are a team that go away from home and just lay an egg every so often has to be a cause for concern because they're a different team in Murrayfield. We've seen them have some good wins in Murrayfield, even though Ireland won there the last time. But as we're all aware of the World Cup isn't in Scotland no so thank goodness says you <laughs> I say of the Six Nations trip Scotland might be my favourite away trip I but like if you get a chance to go to World Cup like oh yeah, yeah. I, I understand I'm just not going to be disparaging towards right, Scotland no that's fair enough I understand outside of Murrayfield where would you actually host games Kilmarnock they've played before haven't they oh, that's right oh they went up to Aberdeen for did a I just game, make that up because it was rugby park no no you're you're, no, <laughs> you're right sense. you're right because Glasgow have, went and played a few games there as well they have definitely played didn't they play like Tonga or somebody yeah because they took a game up to Aberdeen as well but there's not exactly the infrastructure in Scotland to host a World Cup keep talking I'm trying to find out why it's called rugby park you've intrigued me now <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those where, you know, there's obviously been games like, in yeah, Murrayfield before, but it's been as part of Here we go. those horrible yeah, World British Cups stars. that were everywhere. Yeah. Are you ready to find out why Kilmarnock Grounds called Rugby Park? Yeah. You know it's a football stadium? Yeah, absolutely. The grounds were shared by cricket and rugby teams. This is from 1877. Uh, were shared by cricket and rugby teams, sports which Kilmarnock had played previously, and the connection with rugby gave the ground its name. There you are. Simple as that. Why was it called the cricket ground? That's what I was thinking. Spurs were a cricket club and then just started playing football. Should have just dead at cricket. Yeah. They were blessing. Wow. Might have won a county championship or something. (laughs) (laughs) The Tottenham County. A a heroic T.L. draw at the weekend against the best team in the world. That's well, you got got VAR lucky. It's the most ridiculous. VAR lucky. Possibly the most ridiculous football game. I can remember seeing in a long time in Tottenham terms of the result. Terrible. Like if City had won that game five 0 I just went like, "Yep, that makes sense. That tallies with what I've just watched." Fantastic! They like the videos of uh, the supporters celebrating and then not celebrating anymore. The very funny. Absolute banter provided very by funny. Uh-huh. provided by VAR when Spurs play. I was going to say Main Road when Spurs play at the Ethio <laughs> is unrivaled so far. Two for two. Unbelievable. When did this become a football podcast? <laughs> that's the thing like you know the World Cup is quickly approaching so the stress of it all has just turned us into football fans <laughs> that's alright before we digress I have not fallen into that trap yet don't worry I was, I was always I was born in that trap anyway that's us I've been for, a football fan my whole life for, for this week <laughs> we'll be back next week to look back on Ireland's trip to England and preview the game against Wales that's consecutive weekends aren't it yes yeah. indeed yeah, no, no more breaks day. No more breaks? No, no more breaks? No sleep to Japan. <laughs> um, apart from that one week where there's no games. Yeah, three three weeks in a row. Three games three, in a row. Three games in a row. And then they, tra- they, they score travel. travel. 
then I travel, then the world yeah, goes. Yeah, there's no weekend that weekend because you're traveling. Yeah, yeah, that's very, yeah. very good. Is there anything right. ever closer, guys? Unbelievable. I am excited. Are you packed yet, Johnny? Do you know what? I actually start. Well, not I started to consider what I needed to pack. My wife started to consider what I needed to pack. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, because she's more organised about this kind of thing than I am. And we started to organise our World Cup schedule. Yep. I'm not going to get into No, you guys did. I was not privy to these discussions. Well, to be privy to these discussions, you would have had to be willing to get up at like half seven in the morning. Yeah, that's that's fine. You can have those discussions without me there. That's the sweet spot in time zones for (laughs) when we can do this. See you next week. Bye. Bye bye. (laughs) Are we not going to get to say goodbye like ourselves? Are you not going to get to say goodbye? You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide. Okay, goodbye everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>